there are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everyone it's uh time for the three questions with andy richter and uh i have a very very funny lovely uh talented woman on the show today uh it's mary holland uh of wild horses fame of of pretty much you're one of those people that people are like oh yeah i've seen her (laughs) in a thousand things oh that's what a dream to be thought of as that that's very well but i mean don't you get that do you get that a lot where people are like i know you from somewhere and yeah i do and it that that has always that was always like the fantasy growing up of like being somebody that that people were like hey i i know your face from something even if they couldn't like remember it right away right. it's great to have a memorable face no okay yeah and well <laughs> and also it means like i mean you're making a living doing this stuff which to me is always like that's right. it that's right like, like, exactly if you're making a living <laughs> wow you know that's, i know you know yeah um, i agree but i think but do people too because you have been in so like done guest spots on so many different things. Do you get people that want to like go through your whole resume to figure out what it is that they know you from? Because <laughs> I get that sometimes. Like if they they don't know me from the Conan show and they're like, no, nah, I don't ever watch that. That's not it. And I'm like, I, I, uh. nothing will make you feel more uh, embarrassed, I think, than having to 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 try to guess what somebody it's has the seen you it's in. It's the worst. Well, and especially like. Uh, an example that comes to mind is like if I'm if I'm in a lift or something, and the the driver is like, oh, I recognize. Or what do you do for a living? And um, and I would say, oh, I'm an actor. And they'd be like, oh, what have what would I have seen you in? What have you done? And that to me is just I, I totally know that it's a question that comes from like, uh, oh, he's just curious about like. Yeah. what I do right. but the the anxiety it gives me to be like okay now I gotta guess what maybe he's seen and <laughs> and like or I have to like list things that yeah. I've done it just feels very embarrassing <laughs> yeah yeah no I know it's I it it I mean it doesn't happen so much but for a while too there were like times when I would know just based on the demographics of the person asking like what they know me from like there's a very <laughs> a very different thing uh, well, no, that's, I mean, it, but like, it's definitely like, like teenagers, it was mm-hmm. always like, I was in Scary Movie too, 
And they're like, that's it. That's it. You know, because yes. like, like if I say like to a teenager, like I was in Arrested Development, most of them are like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. But yeah. Like that or the Olsen Twins movie. For a while it was. It was Olsen, like, which, which Olsen Twins I movie? I was in their, I was in their uh Big screen, you know, because they made a million movies of their own. I loved every single one of them. Yeah. They were so good. Right when, right when they were (laughs) of the age where girls who had been enjoying them were getting tired of them, they made a major motion picture in which I appeared. Wow. Um, So what was your role? It was called, well, the show, it was called New York Minute. And I, (laughs) I am waiting to be canceled for this. Because oh, no. I play, <laughs> I play a the adopted son of the leader of the Chinese Tong. Is that what a crime family in the Chinese? I think it's a Tong. Uh, oh, interesting! It's like basically, supposedly New York, but it was really Toronto. Uh, supposedly, supposedly Be- New peek York. behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> supposedly New York's. Uh, like leader of the Chinese mafia was this woman that ran a, a nail salon and I was her adopted son. Oh, and I okay. spoke with a like Charlie Chan accent. Oh, because that was the part was written to be like that. Right. And, and right. Quite frankly, there was like you could do accents and it was like no one knew to be ashamed of doing like crazy accents for a while. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I one could make the case I should have known and I should have said no. I but you know, it's like, hey, do a, you know like a Charlie Chan accent? And I felt like, well, it's motivated. You know, she's the adopter. It's like, no, but why would I have a Chinese accent right, growing up right. in New York City, regardless of being? Yeah, top, you know? and that's a that's a great point. So that's a great but anyway. Point. Cancel away. I did a, I did a terribly insensitive. You have my permission yes, to cancel. cancel me. I can't be any. You can't cancel me more than I've canceled myself. <laughs> That's what's going to save me. Um, but I did not bring you on here to talk about the Olsen twins. I mean, oh, you I didn't? wanted to. I, I. That's what I was under the impression we oh, were going to be talking oh, about well, for an so hour. Much, it, it, it got out then. Uh, now you. Uh, you are an improv comedian, too. You never have done stand-up, right? No, no. Yes. Uh, strictly improv. Did you set out to do comedy, or did you... I set out to be um, uh, a an Oscar-winning actress. That that was my... My dream was to be... Uh, like Meryl Streep? Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's really what I was going for. My... Like... Growing up, I was all eyes on me, whatever I could do to get all eyes on me. <laughs> I yeah, wanted yeah. the attention constantly. And so arson? Did you ever do arson? I Burn did a lot barns? of That's yeah, yeah. right. And I did. And guess what? It worked. I got a yeah, lot of attention sure. from it. And you're not really hurting anybody. <laughs> if you get no, the animals out I mean, first. No. It, well, I tried to. And oh. that's that's what counts is, you know, you just <laughs> is the effort. as long as you make an effort. That's right. right. Um, yeah. I... So I knew uh, just in my bones that I wanted to be an actor all growing up and be in movies and all of that. I had real stars in my eyes about that. And then 
went to like drama school, went to theater school, went to uh, boarding school for theater. When yeah, I was that's in high I was going to. You're from Virginia. Yes. And your folks are doctors, right? Yes. What what kind of doctors are they? <laughs> They're radiologists. Oh, really? They're both radiologists. They're both radiologists. Oh, yeah. I bet that was tense sometimes. <laughs> Oh Just- <laughs> boy, you! Get, I mean, you're X-raying them all wrong. That's it. They would constantly critique each other's X-ray. <laughs> um, it was really, it, it is really interesting that I grew up in that um, kind of household because they're very pragmatic people. Um, my mom really, well, they both have like a, a creative spirit, but they're very like as you would expect doctors to be, you know, just very like logical, very left-brained. And uh, I remember after school, sometimes we would we would get picked up from school by our, our babysitter and she would drop us off at the hospital. And so I would spend a lot of time just wandering around our local county hospital. Oh, wow. Is <laughs> it, were you in a rural area or kind of like in between? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I grew up in Galax, Virginia, which is um, Galax. Uh, Galax. <laughs> it's like galaxy with the Y cut off. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what a weird. What is that from? It's we're we're named after the Galax leaf, which is like a, a tiny little like uh, leaf. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> If that explains yes. it. I'm from and- Stinging Nettles, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I And I don't remember why it's called that, but I do know I, I, I was looking up the history of Galax for some project or something, and I do know that it was originally going to be called Cairo. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they pivoted to Galax. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, but yes, it's, it, it's the world's capital of old-timey mountain music. Oh. <gasps> Really? Yeah. Wow. It's very exciting. They have an annual fiddlers convention that is just the social event of the season. Right. And they have like clogging competitions and banjo competitions. Like it is, it is uh, a big to do. Now, is but, that when yeah. you're a kid, do you, is that fun or is it like, oh, that corny old no. hillbilly music? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so much fun because. You really like it, it. It takes place in um, the local park, and the park just there's like a stage that gets built, and then there's like ice cream, you know, kind of carnivaly type yeah, food yeah. and stuff. And then uh, the rest of the park is just filled to the brim with RV like campers and things. And there's a path that goes around the whole park. And what we would do as kids is we would like, and teen and young teens, we would get in little clumps and we'd walk through this path and you're passing these RVs and people are like having jam sessions and you're walking with your friends. And I mean, that it, our town was so small and we were in the middle of the Blue Ridge Mountains. We were like, you know, very rural. And so the, the things to do around town were just to like walk around and encounter other teenagers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the that town was I it. grew up in, it was the same thing. <laughs> yeah. It was like, hey, let's go stand in the McDonald's parking <laughs> exactly. lot. Yeah. I remember there's this there's this one uh the, the cool thing that people would do on weekends is go cruising. Yeah. And that that just meant you would get in a car and you would drive up and down like the four block 
stretch of Main Street and you'd just pass other teenagers in yeah. cars. Go and slowly, like, yeah. Yeah, go slow. We had we had road parties. We called them road <laughs> parties. Which because it's the Midwest, it's Illinois, it's completely flat and it's all farmland. Right. You could drive out into the and all the you know, and there were a lot of farm kids that knew like, oh, there's this road that no one ever goes down. And so we would, you know, like it could be fifteen cars and right. kids would know where it was. And you just pull up and they like there, there were guys that had like speakers that they could hook up to, into their trunk so you could listen to, you know, That's Van Halen fun. And, yeah, and yeah. just and, rock out, have a road just party. Rock out and just sit in a ditch <laughs> in the dark somewhere, <laughs> basically. Yes. Drinking beer and listening to Janie's crying. Uh, just over existing and over. together. Yes. Just like, well, being in the world together. Yeah. We need to drink beer. <laughs> yes. This, let's go do it out, like basically in flat nowhere and, you know, in the dark. And that's what we would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the same experience. Um, and we were, yeah, right in the sandwich in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So it was very beautiful around there. And we there's also like, as you can imagine, so many back roads and tris- twisty, windy, you know, you could you could really, uh, really go have some alone time if you wanted to just driving, nice. driving in the dark. Were your folks from there? What brought them to the, you know, such a rural outpost? They so my dad was born in and grew up partially in Georgia and then uh went to college and stuff in Florida and then my mom grew up in Virginia, not far from where Galax is. Mm-hmm. And they met at um uh met the MCV at the uh, Medical College of Virginia mm-hmm. and they uh fell in love and you say that with some resentment. They fell in love. <laughs> and I guess that's yeah. why I'm here. And I'm the product of it. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, from the start. Exactly. It just, I mean, right at the beginning, we're off on the wrong foot. Um, he, my dad, so my dad is two years older than my mom and graduated uh, first and he... I think went and did his residency in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh-huh. And my mom, when she graduated, joined him and they were working as residents. I could be getting this totally wrong, but they were working with a doctor, a physician who was like, Hey, I'm gonna I'm I'm going to Galax <laughs> 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 and you guys should come. And so they, they yeah, did. And yeah. they did. And they did. Um and it wasn't far from the town where my mom grew up in. Like, it was just a few hours away. So I think she liked that idea of yeah. being close to her parents. And um, so, yeah, that's that's how we ended up there. Do you, do you think of yourself as Southern? I do. Yeah. I do. I do, yes. Uh, Galax is, like, right on the border of North Carolina. And, um, like, I went to summer camp in North Carolina. It, and that kind of mountainy Appalachian like a uh, vibe there it's mm-hmm. it's very southern and all my friends had you know really thick accents and my dad did as well my mom didn't so much interestingly but um but yeah i do think of myself as as southern what it now and as you've gone through obviously you left 
uh, Virginia. And you li- I did. You, did you live in Chicago for a while? I did. Well, I actually, I went to college just outside Chicago in uh-huh. um, beautiful DeKalb, Illinois. Oh, Northern. Uh, Northern. Northern Illinois. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. okay. That's right. Um, you know, corn festival. I know, I know. And now that's a social event of that season. <laughs> now, well, we'll cut back to that. But I mean, what do you think, like, do you feel like there's a... A separate identity from you and your southernness compared to like Midwesterners you've you know met or I mean L A is hard because everybody in L A seems like almost everybody seems like they're from somewhere else I mean yeah there's a totally. few locals but it, I I they don't it doesn't feel like anything other that they exist in reaction to all the other people that aren't from here you know what I mean like <laughs> right. there's, there's nothing like like I don't think like now that's a L A thing to say. Because most of the people that are the grossest L.A. people are new here. You know what I mean? Yes, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. But Um, what is the southernness that you think that's, you know, different? Well, I – so I had two experiences in the Midwest. So I grew up in Galax and um, was desperate to somehow find my way into acting I really, I thought the way to do it was to go to Juilliard. I was like, that's it. That's that's the only way to do it. Because you hear that. You hear that. Yeah, yeah. And and I had no concept of how else one pursues it. Um, but there did happen to be a, a, a woman from my hometown who was uh, a few years older than me. And she went to Juilliard, if you can believe oh, it. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. She's so great. And she, I cornered her uh i think did our she family just went live to in the galax church did she have a job or she was from galax oh, and i, I, I remembered hearing that she went to juilliard and stuff and she was home for the holidays and our oh, families I went see. to the I same see. church and so i went up to her and i was like what how how and what <laughs> hey how you and what hey you you help me get into <laughs> juilliard right now i um, want to make it to broadway <laughs> And she told me that she was like, well, I went to this um, this uh, theater school that and that that like pre- prepared me for the audition for Juilliard. And she told me about the school and it was Interlochen, which is like an arts academy in northern Michigan. And oh, so, yeah, I've heard of that. That's yeah, that's yeah. like fancy, it, very fancy. Um, it's mostly or at the time when it was initially founded, it was really renowned as a music Mm-hmm. Uh, their music program was incredible. They have like a festival up there too. There's like Interlochen means a yeah. fancy concert series in the summertime too. In yeah. The yeah. Yeah. The, the, the musicians there were so talented. Um, but they, it did start out initially as like a summer camp, like in the sixties and then became an academy. And so she was like, Oh, I went there for um, my last year or two of high school. And so I was like, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. You have to get into this school and then you get into Juilliard and then you become, and then that's how, that's the only way you can become an actor. Yeah. And so, and how, what, yeah. And what was interlocking? I mean, well, when, did, how long did you leave your junior year, your senior year? I left my, uh, I was there for my junior and senior year of high school. So I, I, I left, I left Galax and went to Northern Michigan and was in a just, it was, it was really, uh, a shock to the system in so many ways because my experience in Galax is it was a really small town. 
Mm-hmm. And I went to school with kids that I like we went from preschool all the way up to high school yeah. together. Like same 30, 40 kids. Yeah. <laughs> My experience of the world was um so limited. And when I went to Interlochen, it was like my mind was blown. Like my horizons were just completely exploded. There were kids from all over the world and all different like backgrounds and like experiences and like super cool, really artistic, just all these amazing kids <laughs> all yeah. together in this place in the woods and it was just uh yeah it was i i really i feel like i just sort of like the southernness or the the kind of mountain um mountaininess that i had sort of i i in a way i i got very nostalgic for it. I like kind of cling to it in one way. And then in another way, I was like, I got to, I have to let, let that go because there's so much, so much more out there. Um, Had had you been itching to get out of Galax or was it just kind of, I just knew that I, I knew I had to. Yeah. Yeah. But I, in, yeah, I, after I left, I got so nostalgic for it. Um, I think also at the time, my, after my first year at Interlochen, my parents decided to move from Galax. So they moved to, uh, just outside Nashville, Tennessee. And so I think that really, uh, influenced my feelings about Galax where I was like, oh my God, this, this is my childhood and it's going away. Yeah. It became like sealed in amber then because you didn't have any reason (laughs) to go back there. Yeah. 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 But the, the Midwestness of it all, I, I didn't really experience that very much in Michigan, I think, because it was its own sort of bubble. Yeah. But in Illinois, for sure, like uh, that was a. Yeah. That's Illinois. That's Illinois. Illinois is Illinois. Yeah. Illinois is Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, and I mentioned, I, I mean, and I'm just projecting, but I can imagine like going to Interlochen was probably the first, you know, because uh, I can only assume from like when I'm growing up in a small town, going to, for me, the first real experience around, you know, theater type kids mm-hmm. was uh, I did speech team, you know, like, yeah, you know, our plays were really shitty. So I did speech team, which is like. For people that don't know, it's not just it, there's debate, but then there's also basically you go stand in the classroom and act in front of people solo. Yes, I did that too. Yeah, and yeah. we called it forensics. Yeah, it's the same thing. We called it speech team forensics. It's the same thing. Like the medals yes. would say forensics, like if you won a medal, you know, and there would right. be meets. There would be meets, and it would lead up to like a you know. <laughs> Divi- or whatever, like state sectionals, and then yeah, yeah. and then state state championship, and you could win state. Yeah, I read prose. I, I I read short stories. You know. Oh, that's so fun! Yes, and, I did that too. Yeah, and it's and but going, I went to I won a uh, scholarship to speech team camp. You know, like a wow. summer camp where basically it was like performing arts college. Sort of, but aimed at at speech. I don't have any recollection of what the curriculum was. Like, I remember being there. And the main thing for me was just like being around like 
again, diversity. Yeah. <laughs> like being around like gay yeah. teens who are out gay teens. Yes. And, exactly. you know, and, and as ridiculous as it is, like Jewish kids. Like I just was never around Jewish kids until, totally. you know, until I got older. It just was, you know, and that was the same kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, right. This is like, you know, and now, I mean, yeah. my life is just lousy with gays and Jews. Just <laughs> too many, to be frank, of both. Sometimes they're uh, one and the same. Uh, I got some gay juice. Okay. Oh, well, I'm going to head out. Um, <laughs> this was nice. This um, was nice. No, no but I, I imagine like, especially in, in northern Michigan, like yeah. A, it probably still feels like camp. Is it very campy? and Very woodsy? campy. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's right on the on the lake. It's like, it's very, very campy. And, and so you're like in a bubble, you know. Totally. Yeah, and yeah. we were also like, Interlochen itself is a tiny, tiny little town in Michigan. And... And Michigan, as like if you travel outside the like property of Interlochen, you you, it's so hard to believe it's in that those both of those like environments exist in the yes. same location because uh, very conservative. Like Michigan yes. is like uh, really, and there I don't think many of the local people in and around Interlochen. I don't know this for sure, but I think our our sense as students there when we would go out in the world was that there was a lot of like art school. Like like yeah, they yeah. they were not into it. <laughs> right, right. Um but that was my a- experience too of of just like I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's there's so much more to the world and uh I was just plunged in yeah, a totally Totally new environment, um, mm-hmm. but very much a bubble. Very much a bubble. Yeah. And what what took you to Northern? How, why why pick Northern of all the Northern Illinois universities? Northern Illinois. University. Northern in Illinois. You call it. Yeah. There's Northern. There's Eastern. There's Western. And there's Southern. That's right. And then <laughs> all Illinois the directions. State, there are. There are. They, they caught covered, them all covered. They caught them all covered, yeah. which is so nice. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and there's, but Western Illinois, like I didn't know anybody that went to Western, but I knew kids who went to Southern. Southern was a party school. Yes. My, bro- my brother went to Eastern, which was like uh, Eastern and Northern seemed to be very similar. Just one was closer to Chicago. Like DeKalb is not that far from Chicago. Like you No. Can, yeah. Yeah, not far, not far at all. And that's that was when I first um, dipped my toes into improv. I did uh, the improv improv intensive at IO uh-huh. um, the summer between my junior and senior year of, of college. And what year is that? That would be, that was 2006. Wow. That summer. I am old. Me I too. To think like, I was trying to think like, <laughs> wait, I wonder if there's any overlap, if there's anyone. No, no. Everyone that I knew no. is dead now. They're oh, all no. Dead. Yes. Oh, God. All, I'm the last improviser from my era. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're thrilled you're here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I did. So, why Northern? Why Northern? Oh, oh, why Northern? That's right. Yeah. Um. I, okay, well, I, listen, did I audition for Juilliard? Yeah. Um, oh, boy. Did I get in? No. We'll be right back with more Three Questions. 
There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten moldy mascot memorabilia. Often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? So, part of the Interlochen Theater program is your senior year, you go to this, um, we would take like a, a, a group field trip to these auditions called the Unified Auditions. And at the Palmer House Hilton in Chicago, what would happen? I don't know if this is still how it's done. But what would happen is all of the like um, conservatory acting training programs around the country and some out of the country would uh, each of the, the schools would like have a room at the Palmer house Hilton, a conference room. And they would just, you would like sign up, you get an audition time and they would just see like uh, tons and tons of kids coming through and auditioning. But it was nice because you could like bang out like you can audition for like 20 schools in over the course of a weekend. Um, so we did that and I, I auditioned for all these different schools. And then I really liked the and Northern Illinois has a, a BFA acting program. And it was it was the 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 like head acting teacher of that program was a very renowned Meisner teacher. Her name was mm-hmm. Catherine Gately. And uh, people would, she like formed this this program at this school and people were really into her program. And so, so I auditioned and then the woman I auditioned for, Deborah Robertson, who's like the movement teacher at NIU, I really liked her. Like we, we got along really well and Northern wasn't on my radar at all. And then I went and visited and I sat in on some acting classes and it's, it was not what, it was not like what I, how I envisioned how Juilliard was, like where mm-hmm. the, there's so much like budget and resources, even Interlochen was like that. The, the, the theater was so beautiful and our classrooms were like gorgeous and it, it just had a, they had a ton of funding and resources to make the facilities really nice. And at Northern, 
it, it's like it's a public university and they're the theater department was didn't have a ton of resources. Yeah, it yeah. was like I remember our acting class was in this this like uh lower level room that was so dark and dirty i feel like they discovered that that building later got torn down because they discovered asbestos everywhere like it was like (laughs) it was really bad and we shared a hallway with the anthropology department so it was very much not like what i always fantasized theater school was going to be like right but yeah, but the, there are probably some really hot anthropologist dudes walking around. Oh my gosh, the hottest. <laughs> the hottest. Yeah. You want to <laughs> dig for some bones over here, buddy? Yeah. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, I know what it means. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. Um and yeah, so so but the this the, this teacher was so great and the program seemed really great. And so I that's what what brought me there um that that meisner training what now when you say meisner training Mm -hmm. what does that mean i mean just uh you don't have to get into you know the atomic details but just what fade in huh (laughs) i said fade in like i was about to (laughs) read you a whole screenplay right right so the general idea it's it's actually it uh aligns with improv uh, really well because the 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 whole philosophy behind it is active listening, being in the moment, not pre-planning anything, really working off your partner, whatever they're giving you that informs how you say your next line. That uh, being affected by your partner in the moment in that way. Um, the first yeah, year, that's that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the first year or two years of the training, we never touched a script. Like it was all, it was all just working on being present with another person on stage and uh, communicating what you're getting from them and how they're making you feel. And that's what, if you've heard of the exercise repetition, that's like what that does. Is it um, like you, you would say to me, you have a gray sweatshirt. And then I would repeat that back to you. And then you'd say it again to me and I'd repeat it back. And the point is not the words. The point is like what I'm getting from you when you say you have a gray sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, you have a gray sweatshirt. And then internally, I'm like, whoa, he seems like annoyed by me or something. And so yeah, that yeah. will inform how I say I have a gray, gray sweatshirt back to you. Yeah. So that's that's the idea that you do repetition for a bit and then you start like incorporating character and then you start incorporating intent and then you start incorporating scripts. Okay. Yeah. And but a lot yeah, of improv. Cause, yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, because I don't, I, I mean, I get paid to act for a living, but I learned how to act from going to film school and then doing improv and you know, you kind of learn to act in improv while you're figuring out something to say. Yeah. So the acting kind of becomes, you just get used to committing and saying things and being that person. Um, yes. And then, in, and there are techniques with film acting that you learn. And I was lucky enough to get work. And then I, you know, working was where I learned how to do it. So when people say, oh, I went to Stella Adler, I went to Meisner, you know, 
I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> right. You know? Right. And well, I, co- I took a couple theater classes in college and did not respond to them well. I mean, improv was much more like, like totally for, when you, when you say two years before you touch a script, that would have made me bananas. That would have <laughs> like, I would have been like, what? Another what am I one? doing here? Yeah, yeah, another one where we're trees today. What? <laughs> it was a lot of that. It was a lot yeah, of that. Yeah. But what I do, I, I, I completely agree with you that a lot of, a lot of the actual training of like being a film or a television actor happens just in the experience of doing it. Yeah. Um. So there, there's nothing that you can really be taught. You just right. kind of have to like learn it <laughs> yeah yeah um but and I, even with improv you go to classes and yeah. yeah you learn the rules and the rules are important and you stick to the rules but you don't learn anything until you're on stage in front of strangers really right really, you know you just gotta do it yeah um but i do feel there were tools that i was given in that training that i i really like uh i do draw from today and i think that one one thing that i when I found improv, I, it, it completely, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This oh, good. is, this is I was, like, I was going to yeah. ask how hard, you know, how did you go from this aim, you know, you know, this years long aim of being a fancy Juilliard actor right. to then, you know, to then being, you know, in a t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> You know, in the basement of somewhere with six other people and eight people in the crowd, you know, I right? Mean, being funny, you know, I mean, how does that, are you just, you, did you just say buy Juilliard as soon as you, you know, or that kind of notion of that? I just say, yes. you know, once, once improv started, you just knew like, oh, this is so much more fun. It, it's, it really ties in with, with generally what I've learned being it being in LA and, and having lived here for like 13 years now and pursuing um, this career. When I found improv, one of the things that I loved so much about it was that it was so, it was just su- such pure creativity. It was mm-hmm. completely, I loved the collaborative part of it. I loved how like the more I committed and like really like acted the, the whatever character I was being like fully brought all my emotion to like gave every part of myself to the scene, the more that was like rewarded. And it was funny. It was funny. Cause I was, I was really playing, playing it as like, real and with the depth of emotion that I would do in acting school or whatever. Um, And I had so, it was so fun. I had so much fun doing it. And when I moved to LA and, and continued to, to improvise and I would simultaneously, I had an agent and I went out for auditions. I never got anything. And I really had, that's where like, this notion, this like fancy Juilliard, like, oh, I want to like be in movies. I want to do this. I want to be a really like serious actress. I had to let it, let that dream not go, but, but just loosen my grip on it a bit Mm -hmm. because I was 
I first of all, I, I hadn't like no idea how I was going to get there. <laughs> yeah, there was no path, and I was enjoying improv and that that community and the friends I was finding there and like that creative outlet so much that I did sort of have a reckoning where I was like, well, what? I there was a shifting of the goalposts, I think, where I kind of let that the the lifelong dream I've had of being this fancy actor, let that go and just be present in what was happening. Yeah. Well, um, also because you make those decisions when you're a kid. Yeah. And then yeah. you get older and you realize like, I, you know, I'm not so sure that's what I wanted to do anyway. You know? Yeah. I mean, and that, happen- that happens throughout your whole life. You know, like mm-hmm. what I want to do now is different than what I wanted to do 10 or 15 years ago. I mean, it's, you know, or what's important to me or what I really want to follow, you know, it's like, it all, it always is evolving. So. Right. And your expectations, I, I, that, that is like another big lesson is like your expectation, as much as you can try to uh, just be loose, loose and free with your expectations Uh (laughs) because because they things will never be like what you expect them to be like. And that can't be something that holds you back or is a depressing thing. It's like, it's, I had these expectations of like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna, and then I'll go to Juilliard and then I'll do the thing and then I'll do it and then I'll have my dream. And what actually was my dream was revealing it itself to me gradually and wasn't like this expectation that I had in my head. Yeah. How do you get from uh, DeKalb to Hollywood? <sighs> Driving. <laughs> um. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> there, that's another good one. Great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, just, we're cooking on these commercials. That's breaks. a laugh line. You got to get out on those. <laughs> I've watched a fella do that every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um I so we did part of the the theater program at Northern Illinois was we we would do showcases for the graduating seniors would do a showcase for agents. We did one in Chicago and then in New York and wow. in Los Angeles, yeah. Fancy pants. That's pretty cool. It was really cool. Yeah. And because also our, my BFA class our graduation lined up with the MFA class that was graduating and uh, the MFA class, they were super, they had it all together and they got the funds together for us to also go to New York and LA. That was all oh, wow. them helping us organize that. So, um, so yeah, I auditioned in LA and then an agent came to that showcase and I met with him while I was out here and he was like, come on out. <laughs> and so I did. And do so you I, just read? Do you do monologues? Do you do scenes? What are, What are they? Yeah, to- it's a combination of like of scenes and monologues. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whatever. So you came we'll out showcase. here with an agent. I did. You came out. I did. Now, when you got here and you would like run into other hopefuls, were they like, "Fuck you, getting here with an agent already set up"? How dare you? How dare you? Well, yeah. he. It, I, so I, I didn't really know anybody out here. Two kids from my um my class, my BFA class, also moved out here, but 
the we were in totally different parts of the town, so I didn't see them very often. But yeah. um, but my my the first like friend group I had was through an acting class that my agent recommended I sign up for because it's it's Meisner based like cold reading class mm-hmm. and. So when I, so in that class it was all like working actors. Mm-hmm. So so they it was old hat to them. Oh, I see. To have a have an agent, right? <laughs> but I, yeah. I I felt that I was like, oh my god, I feel I'm so wow. I felt so lucky to. It to is you are have I mean, representation. You certainly were because yeah, it's not it's not usual to have to move to L.A. with an agent, right? Out of college. That's right. like really, really great. Yes. Um, and, and so did you, how did you find UCB out here? Did you just, you knew like, oh, improv, Chicago? It was, I lived in an apartment building close to UCB Franklin. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. And I would see, I would see the line out there and uh, I never made the connection in my head of like, I had never I knew what Upright Citizens Brigade was the Comedy Central show but I I didn't know what this theater was and then my friend and I went and saw a show there and I was like oh this this is improv this is this is what this is the, 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 the thing they do in Chicago <laughs> and I got very excited and signed up for classes and then it, right away was like oh yes this is where I'm yeah, meant yeah. to to be yeah, there. Uh, UCB is really. So I, I mean, I feel. Uh, I mean, I was a tangential part of it, because when the four of the original members who you know were the UCB moved to New York, I knew Besser and Walsh. Um, mm-hmm. I've never met Ian or Amy. But they came to New York and I was like one of their friends in New York and I did monologues for them a thousand times. And and my ex-wife and I lived when they got their first theater on, what was that, 22nd Street? Mm-hmm. Uh, my ex-wife and I lived two, blo- or two doors down, literally two doors down the street. Oh, wow. Uh, and there was like a couple years in New York where we had joint Christmas party or like New Year's Eve parties. Like That's there'd be fun. a party at the theater and then also up at our apartment oh, and we kind of, cool. you know, like people going back and forth. Yeah. There were drugs involved. Um, oh, I, I, I hate that. <laughs> and now I, now I hate that. Wait a minute. That's Wait a how minute. That's how we plant Galax. Um, <laughs> no drugs in Galax. That's right. No drugs in Galax. I can, I can say that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I really am so proud of those guys for coming, you know, for for young people going to New York. And now they have now they have basically the most vital improv school in the country. You right. Know? Like the, you know, definitely. Like, I think the best work of the last for sure 10 years of, yeah. of improv theaters is from is from those guys you know yeah it 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 was absolutely finding that community was a, a lifesaver for me and i think a lot of people feel that way because you are really leaving a school 
sort of environment where you have a built-in community and you have built-in creative projects and pursuits. Like we're doing this production in the spring and we, you, you have scenes, you do an acting class and you're all of that's like set up for you. But when mm-hmm. you move to LA, none of that is set up for you. You can yeah. go, you can like pay to take acting classes, which is nice, but you don't have that sort of, I will definitely have a show that I'm doing in spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And yeah. you don't have that built-in community. You have to find that for yourself. So UCB was definitely that for me. And also the fact that the constantly just getting to do shows and it, no matter where they were, they were in a basement or they were like <laughs> in someone's yard or whatever, it was – it was so fun and it was so creatively fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when do you start? Like, do you, ha- do you have to get a day job when you come out here? Or you, you? Oh, yeah. I had a yeah. whole bunch. Yeah. I had a whole bunch. I was, my first job was I was a hostess at a restaurant in Beverly Hills. Um, oh, God. I just had a memory. Um so <laughs> this restaurant, very fancy, and they wanted the hostesses to be equally fancy. And I'm not fancy. I don't I know don't, if well, – Well, I don't know if you – It's a very nice gray sweatshirt. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I – I not I, – I'm not Beverly Hills fancy. I don't – that's not – I don't, I just don't, that doesn't come naturally to me. And I remember one Thank time. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Time, yeah. The manager had a meeting with all the hostesses and he, he made a comment that I was like, I think this is specifically targeted to me. He said, now, listen, some of you do a great job. You show up here, your hair is done, your makeup's done. And some of you, it looks like you just rolled out of bed. And I was the only one who fit that description. So I knew I knew that was me. I had like kind of weird. You were in pajamas at the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in footy pajamas. I was wow. holding my teddy bear and I was um asking for a glass of milk. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I didn't I, I worked there actually for a while and then I tried to be and then I was a daytime bartender at that restaurant. Mm. I wanted to be a nighttime bartender because that you can make a lot of money good doing cash. that. Yeah, good yeah. cash. Um, but they never they again, I don't think I was fancy enough. They never they never uh promoted me to that. So I quit there. I was a dog walker for a long time. I worked for a dog walking company. That's good. Yeah. And then I just did various other like one off jobs, some other restaurant jobs. Um yeah, dog walking I think was like my main source of income for a while. Yeah. And when do you when do you finally start to kind of as we talked about initially you make a living at this? Like when are you starting to kind of what are like yeah. what's like the first big thing to happen where you're like some cash and and this is you know and also when you're starting out like that you're constantly I at least I can only speak for myself constantly plagued by the okay when am I going to have to quit on this? When am I yeah. going to have to go like all right I'm going to get a job in advertising or I'm going to, you know, right. Sell cars or whatever, you know, I think this sort of goes along with the, the whole letting go of expectations thing, because I really there, I could not let myself think about 
well, what does the next, what happens in five years or what does the next even year look like? I I was sort of, I just got into a sort of protective mode of like, this is what I'm doing today. And I'm not even thinking about like, yeah. what where future income is coming from yeah um it's healthy compartmentalization yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's life-saving it's life-saving yeah yeah and so i i I didn't really have a plan i did start like coaching improv i started teaching improv um and that that was great and then i got the first role i got um well the first like I got a, a job in a regional cheer wine commercial, which felt great being <sighs> somebody wine. from. Sure. Being from, yeah. Yeah. That's right near home. Yeah. That's right. And so that was very exciting. But that that did not, that maybe was like $500 or something. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was not, yeah, yeah. Uh, could not sustain for long. And then I got a, um, a part in Silicon Valley. That was the first um, TV job I ever got. Oh, great. Yeah. Was that the first season or? That was the first season. And yeah, I, I show up towards the end of this. It was just one episode. But that sort of, it felt like it like broke the seal or something. And mm-hmm. Because then I started, it, it's also like coincided with doing shows at, at UCB and, and meeting people. And like, um, you start to see like, oh, it, it feels so much more accessible because your friends are the ones who are like making shows and doing like it, the it felt like being in the UCB community was a big part of how I got like how I met people and how people knew what I could do and would bring yeah. me in to do a thing. Yeah. So then that started that started to pick up a bit. I did a Cascade commercial, which was huge. That that right. was the first like, oh my god, this is what <laughs> this is what and can happen. Those, yeah, those good national commercials. I don't know if it's the same anymore, but I know when I was starting, there were people that would like, hey man, I got a Crest toothpaste ad. I'm set for the year. Like they could they could quit their waiter job. Yeah, just based on what that would do for them. I think the, I think the pay structure is different now it is (laughs) because yeah because television is so different yeah but in those days you could get one of those things and it would just you'd be set you'd be set yeah you get and especially if it was a commercial that ran for years and years you know right so yeah cascade aid like when you uh, like is the cascade commercial like can you quit dog walking can you quit do it like did that sort of i think that I, i sort of tapered off with dog walking and then that company eventually went disappeared Mm -hmm. but but i did taper off of the dog walking and i i was also like i was on a house sketch team at ucb so i was like really putting a lot of time into that and yeah yeah our our house improv teams and practicing and coaching i was really running around doing a lot of improv stuff and living off that cascade money and also i was sharing a studio with my boyfriend at the time so we were we were our rent was a very affordable i could really make that money last for a while right that'll keep a relationship together (laughs) yeah (laughs) it it oddly was so romantic (laughs) oh was it yeah Yeah. even though with the only place this this studio was so small the the only place to sit was on the bed like we had no that's where we ate dinner that's where (laughs) it was like that kind of (laughs) 
but it was very exciting because it was like, oh my God, I'm doing it. I'm like, right, right. I'm, that was my work. I, I, right. And my work is created. I'm like going around and doing improv. It, it felt great. It felt like the, I realized then that I'm, I was like, this is the dream. I'm living yep. the dream. When you get that, that paycheck, it's just like, <gasps> Oh my God, you can, you can do this for yeah. a living, you know, cause you do it for so long for nothing other than the fun of it. And, and I mean, and at least for me, like I never had any solid game plan. I just was kind of like, yeah, this is fun. And I, I see other people kind of making a living at this and I understand that's a possibility. Right. But then once you get like, you're like, Oh my God. I mean, I mean, for me, it was doing a live show. It was like, Oh my God, I, you know, I'm making enough money. I'm certainly doing as well as I did with the piecemeal waiting tables, working for a moving company, right? putting together lockers for my uncle kind of, you know, income that I had before that. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's something super powerful about getting paid for the thing that you do for free, just because you, you love doing it. Yes. Yes. And having that all with the backdrop of going to shows every every night, pretty yeah, much, like yeah. it it felt so. I felt so alive, yeah. so vibrant, it and it gives great. you the honestly. I mean, now, uh, you know, in my fifties, I it is like I had the kind of youth that you you know, like I had a really fun youth that was full of lots of. And I, you know, and aside from like, oh, I was hanging out with people that now are, you know, now are famous or successful or whatever. That's like secondary to just like, oh my God, the fun that we had. The fun. Just the fun yes. and the laughing. So the much laughing. Laugh. Yeah, and yeah. making and and also like the audience is having so much fun and you're also having so much fun with the people you're on stage with. It's just it's such a high. It's such yeah. a positive experience. And I, I had that same kind of reflection of like, I was thinking about my twenties, um, which were flawless. Um, I, I think that's well known. <laughs> made, I made no mistakes. Yeah. Um, but I think about the, how lucky I was that I met this, got to be in this community where we celebrated each other and made each other laugh. And it was, it's just so freeing and then also making other people like having people come to the show, audience, audience members making their night better by laughing. It was just mm-hmm. it's so you do feel like so excited that you really lived life to the fullest. <laughs> is yeah, what it, yeah. it feels like. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the Internet which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high-coverage foundation. More popular than soft-launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. 
Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Now you, uh, pretty early on in, in, in getting work, you were a series regular on, I, I forget the name, the Patrick Stewart. Yes, Blunt Talk. Blunt Talk. And yes. he plays sort of like an irascible talk radio guy, yeah? Yeah, he's like a, a um a British like journalist. Um I he was based on um or inspired by the the movie Network and that character, you know that movie? Yeah. Sure, sure. Um Howard Beale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um so and it was from the the brain of Jonathan Ames who is yeah. such an amazing writer has such a unique sense of humor um so yeah i was so thrilled to to be on that show and that was pretty was that one of you like is that an early job to get paid for it was an early job yeah yeah and initially actually i i auditioned for this a series regular role in it and it, it like did a callback and came close to it didn't get it and i was um so devastated because that's the closest I had gotten to anything like that. And yeah. I had been up to this point just to uh, really paint a picture for you. I had been auditioning for eight years and had never gotten a single thing. Wow. Nary a thing. And I went out for hundreds of things. Yeah, yeah. So um, so getting that close was very exciting. And when it didn't work out, it was a bummer. But then a few weeks later – they were like, they're adding another part and they want you to play this part. It's not a regular, but you'll you'll be in most of the season. And so me and Karin Sony, uh, he his part, we were like sort of um a duo or whatever mm-hmm. in, in, in this world. And he he and I went through that together the first season and it had it was initially picked up for two seasons because it's Patrick Stewart and it's Jonathan right. Ames. I mean, right. um, so that was cool knowing there was like a little bit of somewhat job security. After the first season, they informed Karin and I that they were making us series regulars for the oh, second wow. season, That's which was great. great. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was really exciting. And, then, and, uh, does that really like? I do you feel like okay. Now that's it. Like I, yeah, yeah. I cried so hard <laughs> the day that we when we wrapped shooting the first season. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I now think back on that, and I'm uh, pretty embarrassed because every to everyone else it was like, okay, this job's over, go to the next job, uh, and like we all like each other and it's fun, and but you know, yeah. But I had, I was like, no, this is it. This is the end. This for me. This is it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever going to get another job like this. I'm in. I so I clung to it with the ferocity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so much emotion. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed when the first season was over, um, and then the next season was over, and then it got it got canceled shortly after yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And and I mean. I imagine that's tough. I, you know, I, I, yeah, no shit. I mean, I'm like, like, what was that like? I bet it sucked. You know, I'm, in fact, I know for a fact it sucked. Yeah. I know it, what that's like. It did. And it, 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 
it also, it was just very, I mean, in that sort of protective way of, I'm really not thinking any further ahead than like next week. Yeah. <laughs> so when that ended, I was, I was really like, okay, okay, now that might be the only thing I ever get. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird combination of privilege yes. and, you know, like your, your wildest dreams, you know, the gal from Galax, Galax. Yeah. The Galax gal. <laughs> the Galax gal. In Hollywood, on a TV show. And then, and you're, you know, and you're really like, yep, that's it. And f- for me, when I was on series that seem, cause you know, they, they shift too. It seems when it's positive, it seems like, my God, this show is doing great. And then literally a day or two later, they'll be like, oh, these new numbers are not good. And you're like, what? You know? Yes. And you start to make plans in your mind. When oh, the boy. Show, when the show is on and it's going, you start to make plans about what your life is going to be like because this thing's going to keep going. And then it doesn't. And then it doesn't. And then it's, you're like, while you're still in this space of privilege you're you're scared fucking shitless yes because there's literally nothing in front of you no it is a void nothing it is a complete dark void you have no there's no assurance of anything any kind of security or stability or income and but in any way (laughs) yeah and all those plans just you feel like such a moron for having had like oh my god i was thinking about like you know, buying a house. Yeah. What was wrong with me? You know? Yeah. And it, it's again, that idea of uh, adapting expectations or you, 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 you have these ex, but you just have to get into this mode of like, well, I expected this and now that's not happening. You just have to get so used to letting go of yeah. what you expected. Yeah. Things to look like. And especially I imagine too, this has happened to you even within the work. You can never, I mean, one of the things that I've learned is don't hold on anything too hard. Like just be every single thing you do. Yes. Do not trust it at all. No, no. Just think that at (laughs) any moment it could just vaporize. That's right. That's right. Exactly. I think that that, I mean, it sounds like, oh, that's not a very positive way to move through life. But actually it is because you, you, you. Nothing is so precious to you that you mm-hmm. can't, you can't like grow away from it or, or be, you're, you're just so open and adaptable and able to like move and pivot to a different direction Yeah, when you don't hold on. Like I felt that way, even just the auditioning process. I don't know if you felt this way, but I would get so nervous for auditions and I would spend hours preparing. I would go in, do the thing torture myself for the next few days about whether it went well or not and then find out I didn't get it and feel terrible. Yeah. And over the years of many years of doing that, I then learned like, oh, the more I'm just like, well, whatever happens, like I have, if I have no attachment to what the result is going to be. Yeah. I can, I can be happy in my head. (laughs) Yeah. I, it's a, it's a crazy it's like I always think about it's like it's like asking someone to dance at a dance when you're a teenager. It's like the person 
that acts like they don't give a shit about dancing. Mm-hmm. They could take or leave dancing. <laughs> if they turn off the music and the lights went on, they'd be fine to leave. Like that is the sexiest person. That's the person that you want to dance with. Right. The one that doesn't give a shit about it. That's just like, yeah, I like dancing. Okay. And yeah, you know, or, you know, or like, What's more attractive than someone who's not that interested in you? <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's like, well, it's also there. There's just a, an ease about yeah. someone when they're, and that's that is easy to watch. You know what yes. I mean? Like that. Yes. That that puts the audience at ease. The same is true in an improv audience. Like if the the audience is aware that the improvisers are nervous, tense, yeah, they are very scared for them. Like they don't right. get to just enjoy. Yeah. And when you feel like someone is settled and at ease, it's like, oh, great. Now I right. can just – now I can really observe your performance and enjoy yeah. it. It's a, it's a weird thing to not care, to spend so much time caring and, and <laughs> thinking and stressing. And then you realize like, oh, no, I'm caring and stressing and worrying over getting a job when or, – or being good at what – you know, like it's kind of – you. Put them together. I right. want to be good and I want to get a job. And then you realize like, no, what actually makes my life better and it has the appearance of making me more hireable is being like, here I am. This is what I got. You say yes, that'd be great. You say no, eh, you know, okay. Right. I have Enjoy. other things going on. Yeah, I don't, yeah. the, my my identity doesn't hinge on this. Yes. Whereas in, the truth is, is it does. <laughs> Yeah, but but it also too your identity hinges in your identity isn't hinged to you as in a job. You yeah. know, like say like when a show gets canceled, you're not thinking like, "Oh my god, that job, that job was me." And I know people in my life whose job are them. Right. Like their their identity is so tied up in their job and I just it seems so dangerous. But that's also for me from being in a very volatile industry. There's people, you know, I guess if you work for an accounting firm and you're a good accountant and the firm is strong, you can you can wrap your identity up in that. If <laughs> sure. Because you you're not going anywhere. Crunch but, the numbers. Yeah, sure. Right. Exactly. Whatever that means. <laughs> Whatever that means. I crunching. I, I never hear the crunching. Um, but I. Uh, yeah, it just it always seems like it's just. It's better to not care so to just yes. have a light touch. Just have a loose grip, have a light yeah. touch, have a light touch and be be adaptable. Yeah. Um be water. Okay. 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 And I'm the first person to ever say that. And You are. <laughs> I'm the first and only person to ever say that. Be water. Ruin hardwood floors. <laughs> as much as you can. That's my advice to you kids. Uh, now I'm looking, I, I cause just kind of, you know, I did a Google on you and, oh. uh, I saw some, no, and I saw like some projects like a, I saw an interview with you and, uh, Betsy Sidaro about a female arm wrestling movie. Yes. That, like that was ro- The world has been robbed of by COVID so far. Is that the case? <laughs> that is the case. That is the case. Yes. Betsy and I were in a, it's like a buddy comedy, buddy sports comedy about uh, women's arm wrestling. We had the time of our lives making that yeah. movie, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, we had so much fun. Uh, what's it called? It's called Golden Arm. Golden Arm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's and Betsy's so funny. Betsy's she is one of the funniest people in the world. I mean, she is out of this world funny. Yeah, She's yeah. so great. 
Um, yeah, and Maureen Barucha directed it, and we we just had the so much fun making that movie. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I saw was you're on. You play the voice of a droid. <laughs> In a Star Wars game show for children? What I was like, I what mean, the fuck is this? It's a real what what a life. This <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember these shows from like the the 90s, but um Legends of the Hidden Temple and Guts and these like kids competition game shows. Did you No, I don't I mean I you know, I knew that like the slime one Oh yeah. The, yeah, Double yeah. Dare. Like the, yeah, like those ones kind of. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not aware of the other one. They were really big for me growing up. That was like must-see TV for me after school was watching these competition shows. And the, the guys who created this show work at Lucasfilm, and they were fans of those types of shows as well. And so they, they were like, what if we did one that takes place in the Star Wars universe? And so they uh, created the Jedi Temple Challenge, the premise of which, and it, it's all like in canon, like it's all it's all in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, the idea is that the kids are young Padawans, and they they come on the team, they come on the show in teams, and any relationship could be brother sister, best friends, cousins, yeah. you know, um, and they go through they they have to pass a series of trials and then at the end if they one team manages to make it through all three they will become jedi knights oh very wow and you're the voice of a droid and i'm the voice of a droid i'm but you're not in the droid are you because it's just a humanoid like there's a person in a costume there is a person in the costume that's gordon tarpley and he he designed 83 which is the name of um, my droid designed her how she would look and like built it himself and he he operates it. And mm-hmm. then, yes, and then I did the voice. And I, I played the droid companion to um, Ahmed Best, his Jedi Master, Kelleran Beck. And and I'm I'm like, we're like riffing with each other. You know, I'm like wisecracking and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Are you on set with him talking, like just off set and – yeah. And the droid has to react to whatever you're saying. <laughs> it was a really interesting setup. Uh, I was in the control room where all the monitors were and uh, all the like producers and writers and things. And I had a microphone that was attached to a speaker that was nearby Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> so that so that um, Ahmed could like hear what I was saying and banter with me and the kids would hear me too. But then also I had another microphone that went to a little earpiece in Gordon's ear where I would be like, okay, okay, dance. And then I'd say something and then he would, (laughs) but we, we didn't do that very much. After a while, it became much more streamlined where I would just, he just, we sort of got in a flow together where he, he like knew how to move when I would be talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was, it was very strange being like, that's, (laughs) <laughs> Those fun, weird gigs, though, you it was know? so much fun. Yes. Yeah. And especially if it's nice people, that's the other thing. It's like the people that you work with generally are nice, but there are sometimes when the set's kind of a bummer, and that's when it can be sort of like, oh, right. No, these guys were so great. All the, the creators of the show were amazing. It was so much fun. And so much fun doing doing a a, a job where you're surrounded by kids who are like, 
really focused hard on like yeah. accomplishing a task. Yeah. And super excited. <laughs> super about, excited. Yeah, yeah. It's a very positive, very positive. The contact experience. high you get from kids who are into something is just like like Ugh, the first time that yeah. you take your kid to Disneyland, it's just like, oh my God, this is Yes. It's better, I think, than going yourself, you know, like the yes. contact oh, high I you bet. get from the kid. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was we had so much fun. Um, yeah. So that was a great that was a great job. I hope we get Good. to do more. All right, excellent. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> what else have you got? Com- you know, coming up. Uh, what got you cooking? know? What? Yeah. What COVID? What COVID allows? And then also too, like, where do you? You know, what? What's your aspirations? And that doesn't even have to be showbiz wise. It could, mm-hmm. You know. Could be living on a houseboat in Amsterdam or something. That's it. Oh, <laughs> you just nailed well, that's it. That's easy. All right. Well, thanks, folks. Bye. Bye. Um, <laughs> well, what what's coming up this holiday season is a movie that um, my friend Clea Duval directed, yeah. and she and I wrote this movie together called Happiest Season. And oh right! Oh yes. my god, I've heard about that. Yeah, we're so so excited for that to be coming out I, I'm not quite sure h- how it's coming out <laughs> I know the, the original plan was a theatrical release but you know what are movie theaters now yeah yeah, um, yeah. so I'm not but it will be uh, it, it will be clear <laughs> how yes. how you can access it and this is like if it a, a lesbian Christmas romance. That's right. It's a romantic yeah, yeah, yeah. comedy, a Christmas movie. Um, yes, about a lesbian couple. And it's so much fun. It's really moving. I I think it's it's such it's such a perfect movie for right now. It's yeah. all about you know, self-acceptance and family and connection and and it's just very joyful. It's a really Happy movie, and I I bet you. I mean, unless it's a piece of shit, which I don't know. I mean, well, yeah, you never know. It could. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, but I never know. It's also. I bet you it's going to be like an incredibly, an an incredibly important thing. You know, just like yeah, the word representation gets kicked around, but it's a very important thing, and I think that it's like it's probably. It's going to be, you know, it just sounds like it's probably going to be really meaningful to a lot of people. So I think it will be. And Good I, on you. I'll, well, thank you. I. Mm-hmm. It's also, I think, so cool that it it, it is like a mainstream. It's a studio movie, it, and it it's telling this story, and it's it's so wild that there aren't already a ton of Christmas movies. Yeah, you know romantic movies about gay couples like yeah and so it feels really exciting that this is the beginning of you know hopefully there are so many more after right something that's been due for a while yeah exactly yeah and then uh and and do you how it was writing a screenplay like that and selling that was that something that you're like is that is that just second to acting or do you think like that that could be something that you could very happily segue into i i would be thrilled to um hold both i see uh, <laughs> i one thing that was so fun and i mean the whole process of writing this with clea was such a blast and 
an aspect that was really special to me was this, the, the character we wrote for me. Um, it was so much fun creating her with Clea and making these decisions about how, what she was like and what her dynamic in the family was like and what she would say. It, it felt really cool to be on that side of it as well as on the acting side of it. I really yeah. love that. So it does make me want to write more things for me. <laughs> wow. For well, me and that. me alone. <laughs> um, it was very fun. And actually, Lauren Lapkus and I are, are writing a movie f- that we want to be in together we're writing roles for ourselves. And so that's, it's just very, it's very fun. And it, it was something that's writing and especially writing a movie was so intimidating and daunting to me uh, before Clea asked me to work on this project with her. And then in that process and that experience of writing with her, it felt so fun and accessible and, it it was you know it's a lot of work you, a lot of thinking yeah you got to think about a lot of things i know i know <laughs> it's a bummer it's a bummer it you know what and i hate using my head i hate oh. it um but it it felt so much more like oh i can do this and i i this is another means wherein i could be creative and yeah you know and have fun and yeah so it was cool well, uh, we've now come to the part of the, you know, the, the part where you're supposed to, you're supposed to sum it up, wrap oh, it up. Oh God! What's, what have you learned? Like, what do you, you know, like, what's the point of your of your story here? Because frankly, I can't find one. It's been a mess. No. All over the map. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. Oh, I feel like I interviewed six people. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the message, I guess the message I want to leave your listeners with is hey, listen up. Now, now listen. They're listening. Okay, great. Are you are you comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> if you're not comfortable, get, guys, get comfortable. Get this comfortable. could take a while. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because you're buckle up. It's going to be another hour. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I really think that the met the story. The point of my story is, hey, you got to let go of expectations, and and be be as as unattached to results in any part of your life as you can be. That's great. Be in the moment when, yeah. and, and, and see what comes to you. Yeah. Unattached to results is a great way to, and it's hard in what, and I don't know, you know, I was going to say in a results-based society, but we might just be results-based creatures. Mm. You know, I don't know if it's necessary, if you can put it off on one thing. But yeah, that's definitely the thing is that when you, if you're just focused on the results, you're, you're, you're missing what the important thing is because ultimately, I mean, it's, it's what you've experienced and it's what, it's how you felt going through all of it. That's really the point, you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
It is. And the, and if you're so attached, if you, if you cling to results so much, you will just, you're just setting yourself up to constantly be disappointed because nothing ever goes the way you think it will. And yeah. you know, the, it's all chaotic. And especially in this business, it's so unpredictable. You have no control <laughs> over yeah. anything. Yeah. And so the sooner you can let go of the steering wheel. Yeah. And let Jesus take it. That's right. As you go right into the ditch. <laughs> yeah, but there's a bunch of cool teens hanging out yeah, there, yeah. so you're gonna have a. Good and then time. when the cops come and they're like, "What? Why? Yeah. <laughs> why did you? Why did you run over those pedestrians and drive into the ditch?" Jesus took the wheel. Sorry. Sorry. Good luck getting that guy in jail. Yeah, yeah. Try to try. You know, put out an APB for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you'll have every hippie in town in here <laughs> yeah. for a lineup. Well, Mary, thank you so much. For uh, for taking the time to sit down and talk with us today. I have nothing else to do. So it was really, it, it, this might not even be recorded. This oh, is just basically, okay. yeah. You're, you're spending time with a shut-in at this point. Oh, yeah. uh, well, great. Uh, that Good I'm, for you. I'm, this is it. This is. You'll get your I'm reward so in heaven. For this podcast. I hope so. Do you have a voucher or something that I can like, provide <laughs> oh, as he proof knows. of? Oh, he's... I mean, she knows. <laughs> okay. Ah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun sure. talking with you. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk to you. It's great uh, to, to see you. I mean, I haven't seen you in ages. Great to see you, um, too. And, and I hope the movie does really well. The tell me the name of the movie that that you wrote with Clea again. It's called Happiest Season. Happiest Season. Mm-hmm. Look at that, will you guys? Go look at there? it. Go look at it. Listen to it. Look, Let it into your heart. If you're going to look at it, it's important that you also listen to it. Precise, please. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Thanks, Mary, Mary Holland, um, and thank you all out there for listening. As usual. And uh, I will uh, have someone else next week. I don't know who. Ooh. A big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galit Sahayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.